Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service Podcast. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, Weekly Flame, and much, much more. My original idea for this sermon was to talk about the isolation we are all experiencing due to the pandemic and our deep need for connection. In the midst of this already challenging situation, we witnessed yet another senseless murder of a black person by a white police officer. Thousands of people in Minneapolis and around the country rose up, broke their self-quarantine, and came out into the streets to express their rage and their grief. I still want to talk about loneliness and connection. This new atrocity adds to our grief, our anger, and outrage in the face of systemic inequities and brutality. Right now, we are all sheltering in place, being physically distant from each other and perhaps feeling disconnected. But this time here gives us the opportunity to reflect. We all feel abhorrence, fear, and anger when we see the continued victimization of the poor and communities of color. Perhaps we can find renewed connection, a sense of purpose, and an opportunity to serve as we recommit ourselves to living and acting our first principle to recognize and work to honor the inherent dignity and worth of every person. Apart, together. We're all feeling the stress and sense of disconnection from being shut inside our personal station booths these days, watching the world go by. We ache for the engagement to be responsive to what's happening in the world around us. What I wouldn't give for a high five or a hug from Mr. Comerty. As our country weaves and wobbles, mapping its slow comeback tour, I watch from the windows of my Bernal booth and wonder about what's been lost in this time of lockdown. The threads that help hold us close feel frayed. Right now, we need our friends like Wallace. The pervasiveness of loneliness is a real danger to our society. Debilitating loneliness makes us sick physically, emotionally, and spiritually. 
With all the ease of our and speed of digital networks, we skim the surface of human interaction. But surfing only takes us so far. Physically separated from those who nurture and lift our spirits, we feel isolated and alone. And in that well of loneliness, we might struggle to connect to the sources that feed us. Time for self-reflection and self-expression. Soulful practices that help us to travel into those deep spaces of the heart and mind and body that connect us to the source of all life. To help us feel close, I want to invite you to join me in the sanctuary. No clipper card needed, but imagine yourself settled into your favorite pew. Feel the warmth of those nearby and the collective quiet and the soft hum of life around you. And if you're new, come on in. Ours is a big tent, and we want everyone to feel welcome. Now, researchers have been sounding alarms that loneliness was becoming a growing concern for the last several years. Studies show that over 20% of the population feel lonely, and that was before the pandemic. In 2018, the United Kingdom appointed a Minister of Loneliness. All signs are that loneliness is on the rise. It wasn't always so, says the historian Jill Lepore. Until a century ago, almost no one lived alone. It wasn't possible to survive without living among other people. And without being bonded to other people by ties of affection and loyalty and obligation, loneliness was a passing experience. How did modern life get so lonely? Now, it's easy to see how the Industrial Revolution and the effects of a capitalist system have left a profound and disturbing impact on the levels of loneliness and isolation in our world. Many of us have been moved or been removed from the communities that hold us close. The loneliness researcher, Dr. John Cacioppo, Cacioppo known as Dr. Loneliness, is a psychologist who has studied the evolution of loneliness, looking through the lens of history and biology. We've learned that social networking is embedded into our DNA. We need one another to survive and thrive. Neuroscientists have learned that being connected to others with a social imperative rooted in thousands of years of human evolution, loneliness emerged as a warning signal, prompting us to attend and take care of our social circles. Strange as it seems, loneliness is what helps us know what it means to be human. 
It's a matter of drift. If we wander too far or too connect, disconnected from the sources that keep us connected, we feel lost. I remember some 30 years back leaving New England to come west, saying goodbye to my friends and my family, eager to break free. But I spent much of the time feeling lonely. Traveling in my big four-door maroon 1978 Chevy Impala, I was like a ship lost at sea. I had maps to get me where I needed to go, but I lacked an internal compass to help ground me and the courage to create community on the fly. The warning signals were there. I just didn't know how to respond to them. What I was experiencing was textbook, Loneliness arises when we feel separated. We need the bonds of love and trust that come from being part of a community, having friends like Wallace. And when feelings of loneliness run deep, they can lead to isolation, invisibility, and even depression. That pretty much sums up how I was feeling in the badlands of South Dakota. Telephone booths were far between, making it hard to phone a friend. I lacked experience and practice in being self-reflective or how to embrace my solitude. Being alone only made me feel worse. But somewhere in the wide and dry expanse of the badlands, something opened up. I took small steps to counter my loneliness, taking enjoyment in the simple pleasures of small talk with folks I met, in the hikes and the bike rides, I discovered the true benefits of solitude, learning to open my heart and, and take the world in. The Badlands taught me valuable lessons, but the global disruption brought on by a pandemic has shown me that addressing loneliness will require us working together to stop its rising tide. In a matter of weeks and days, our world has changed and our understanding of how we connect. We miss the intimacy with those with whom we share deep bonds of trust. We miss our relational gatherings with friends and companions, and we miss our collective communities who share our sense of purpose and interest. Yes, thanks to the interweb and even Zoom, not all is lost, but the bonds that are formed out of our close fellowships are sorely missed and the impact weighs heavy, heavy on our hearts. For faith communities, the loss of person-to-person -person contact has been profound. For the most part, we only know ourselves in the company of one another, 
sharing pews, the potlucks, the protests, the picnics, the prayers, and the possibilities. And while we learn to rewire and are thrilled to welcome visitors into our virtual church life, we all feel the separation, the loss, and the uncertainty of what church will look like going forward. How do we sustain the bonds of mutual support in our church community? In this time of forced isolation and heightened loneliness, anguish and pain, how do we build bridges that bring us together, which in turn can deepen our understanding of self, of spirit, of soul? Empathy, writes Dr. Vivek Murthy, is when we cultivate common interests and goals together. Connection, not hatred, is the glue that makes us feel like we all truly belong. If there ever was a time for cultivating across cultures and community, that time is now. Imagine, says Dr. Murthy, culture as a bowl in which relationships are formed. In individualized cultures, many Western cultures, the bowl is wide and of modest depth. Lots of room to move around and everyone is free to choose their path, but it's harder to find common ground. In more traditional collectivist cultures, the bowl is narrow and deep, generations living together, but without much space to wander. If you don't fit in, the squeeze could send you out. In the third bowl, it is broad and deep with structures in place for interaction, opportunities for gathering and sharing and learning. Loneliness is replaced with opportunities to build bridges of trust. Our church community is that kind of third bowl. As I look out onto your faces full of yearning, of vulnerability, of love, I realize we know how to help heal the wounds of loneliness and isolation. We exist to share our stories and bear witness to one another and foster a culture that seeks to build bridges across our differences. Our work is not just to welcome the stranger, but to learn from them too, to befriend, widening and deepening this beautiful bowl that holds us all together. To counter loneliness in our culture and in ourselves, we need to extend our practice of mutuality creating spaces for the sharing of feelings, building trust over time, and offering respect. Simply, we need to deepen our relationships with one another. 
Dr. Murthy shared this story, which reminds me of our small group ministries and our young adults becoming together gatherings and our spiritual practices offerings. But in this story, we might imagine new ways that might bring us together. Serena Bayan was an engaged high school student eager to start her first year of college. Instead of finding community, she confronted a sense of deep cultural isolation. She was the only Asian American student in a predominantly Caucasian environment. She had no one she could trust or even talk to. What was missing were people who knew her from the inside out. She struggled through her first year and returned home deeply in need to reconnect with others and with herself. She spent her summer in a yoga training where she was able to open up and be vulnerable and rebuild her inner strength. And fortified, she returned to college and invited fellow sophomores, fellow sophomores, strangers really, out for coffee. She was not interested in small talk. She wanted to know if they too had experienced loneliness. It turns out she wasn't alone. Her response was to create something called space space gatherings, a space to promote deep human interaction. She invited her fellow students to come and share their stories, putting aside preconceived social expectations. The invitation, be willing to open and share honestly about how you are feeling. Space gatherings created a culture where people were safe to express and discover collective values. Through these exchanges, Serena and her fellow gatherers created a foundation of trust and understanding which opened up hearts and minds in ways never imagined. Thomas Merton wrote about the challenges of social disconnection. When we feel unknown, invisible, shrouded in a fog of loneliness, it blurs our internal mirrors and obscures our inner strength. We lose sight of our value and the sources of joy and wonder that keep us connected. At its worst, we forget to love ourselves and treat ourselves with kindness and compassion. This is why third bowl cultures are so important. They provide a container for social and spiritual bonding and discovery, both external and internal, to help us find common ground with our neighbors to make our way forward as we can imagine and invent virtual church. We will need our shared wisdom and creativity to help create new spaces where we can foster our faith, gather to learn and grow, and discover our shared humanity.
in this moment when the brokenness and pain of our world is laid bare, we need to come together to help bring healing and hope, to stand with those who feel voiceless. We need one another. We are calling all angels. Let's not be alone. We are in this together and with compassion and conviction we'll make our way through. Thanks for listening to this podcast of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, Weekly Flame, and much, much more. 